Hello and welcome to Recovery Survey, the podcast where we survey recovering addicts with different backgrounds and different links of clean time and ask them questions about different recovery topics. Our guest today is named Nick and he's here to tell us about his journey with mental health and recovery. Welcome to the show, Nick. Yeah, so my name's Nick. A little background on my experience with mental health and kind of what got me to where I am today is kind of begins when I was a kid. My mom was diagnosed schizophrenic when I was a child. And so I kind of always have been around mental illness. I kind of had an interesting experience family-wise growing up. I lived in a house of 11. We had aunts, uncles, mom, grandma, grandpa, all in one house with a lot of peculiar behavior. You know, I definitely grew up with a fear of being like my mom. And so I think that kind of played into my denial, you know, as I got older and not wanting to maybe admit that I might need some kind of help. Later, I started self-medicating with drugs. But I'd say uh, probably about 16, I started experiencing depression. That's when I separated from my mom. She had kind of really lost it. And so an aunt of mine here in Texas offered me to come live and stay and uh, finish high school here. I moved down here in 06, and I wasn't really aware of it, but looking back, I can see that I was probably a little bit depressed. And at first, it manifested as like isolation, which turned into maybe people-pleasing and kind of doing whatever I needed to do to fit in. Pretty quickly, that started with drugs. You know, it was pretty benign at first with just weed and things like that, and then it escalated pretty quickly. I started doing ecstasy, and then right from ecstasy, I jumped to meth. And I am a strong believer in using drugs. You are trying to self-medicate something that's underlying. I definitely know I have some ADHD, but I think that it was a great relief for me to find drugs. I've heard someone else say this, but I, I do think that I'm grateful for every drug I took because... I probably would have been dead a long time ago if I didn't have the drugs, because for a long time they did work. I kind of could escape the darkness and the sickness that I had from my you know, upbringing. They did work for a while, and there was a lot of years where I did drugs and kind of got away with it, so to speak. I was you know, kind of couch surfing or always had a friend that wanted to take me in and believed in me and wanted to rehabilitate me. And, and I never really had too serious of consequences until... I guess I was probably about 24. I really started being self-destructive with my relationships, pushing people away, backstabbing, that kind of thing. And that kind of just drove me deeper into drug use. I was living in a hotel, kind of like an extended stay sort of hotel with a bunch of other addicts. It was really dark. You know, everybody was robbing someplace or there was people that hurt people. It's like just stuff that like I never thought I would witness that I was just doing really just to get high at that point. And I was more desperate than ever to get high because I was so estranged from, you know, my family and friends to the point where there was times where I thought, you know, I could get killed and no one would even know I was gone for at least a few weeks because I was in touch with nobody. But fortunately, I hit a pretty hard bottom one day. Car was stolen. A bunch of crazy stuff happened in like a 12-hour period overnight 
which it felt like five days, but it was like a few hours one night that it was just a really bad series of events where, you know, I got arrested and well, actually over a month I got arrested three times, but I uh, got arrested. My car was stolen and I was to the point where I was so paranoid that I was going to just, the only way that I could see peace was jumping off a bridge. And that was my true thought process. I was like, at least for the few seconds, you know, going down, I would have peace thinking the police aren't out to get me or someone's not trying to kill me or whatever my delusions were kind of telling me at that time. It was a dark moment, but it did catapult me into recovery. I had a guy introduce me to Narcotics Anonymous and he kind of planted the seed. It didn't stick then, but this was, you know, maybe six years before I, I ended up actually you know, walking into the rooms myself, but I remembered that in the back of my head. And when it was really dark that day, something just told me I needed to look for a meeting. And so I uh, walked into a meeting and, and I was pretty messed up. You know, I was literally messed up high, but then also just a lot of really sickness. I thought people were recording me with their phones. I mean, I was like exhibiting symptoms of schizophrenia, which in some crazy way I may have felt comfort in because of my mom. But, you know, I started that journey and, and I had a few rough weeks where I would, I had like a week and then I would go back to the hotel. I was still living in this hotel and I'd relapse and then, and then finally someone helped me get into Turtle Creek downtown. That helped. I didn't stay there very long. I was like, fuck this, I'm leaving. But I had a a boyfriend at the time that said, you know, you can come stay with me. And so I was like, bingo, there's my next couch or my next ride or whatever. And I'm still with that guy today, but I didn't stay sober continuously. I lasted about six months. This was back in 2016. I kind of decided that I could drink, but I couldn't do drugs. And immediately the same old thought processes and patterns kind of popped up where I was pushing people away, being really self-destructive, abusive verbally to people I cared about. And I can't really live in that too long without guilt and shame kind of taking me over. And I really need to get high over that. So I was in and out for a few years. And then it was May of 2018. My mom died. Before that, I was just dabbling. I was like taking narcotics, like pills, but not doing any meth. But when my mom died, I decided I was going to not just do meth, but do IV meth again. It was a really, really hard about six months. Yeah, it was definitely right where I left off. And it was the hardest six months of my life, but it was probably the most life-changing in the sense that I really came out of that with some kind of clarity as far as recovery and what I wanted to do and that there was no other options besides to be 100% dedicated to a 12-step program. You know, for that, I'm just so grateful. You know, I never thought that I could find gratitude out of all the drugs and bad memories and really trauma that we put ourselves through when we use drugs. It's been a great driving force. I, in a weird way, feel closer to my mom than I ever did when she was here. I feel like she's somehow protecting me or helping me to stay sober. But yeah, that's kind of a little background story for myself. So now that you're clean, what do you do for your mental health and what does your life look like now? Today, I am I am more myself than I've ever been in my life. And I, I do first have my program to great thing for that, of course, God. But I think my program has been the best foundation for my mental health journey. But I will say I was fortunate enough to go away to a treatment center last year. And that 
kind of introduced me to the world of psychiatry and therapy. And I have had a lot of great experiences with outside help. I have been able to work through a lot of my childhood stuff. I am taking an antidepressant. I have been for about a year and a half. And I don't know that everybody needs that. And I don't even know if I need it at this point, but I don't really want to rock the boat. And I do know that in the beginning, it was like life changing for me. Like I was able to get out of bed and I was able to feel motivated to accomplish goals or basically just take tasks on that before I would just be totally paralyzed with fear or anxiety about doing. Somehow or another, I finished hair school while I was still in my addiction. But I will say that my career has taken on a completely different road since that since I've been clean and most importantly, since I've been working on my mental health. I have worked the 12 steps. That was very important and a huge form of therapy for me because there's a lot of stuff that only the 12 steps could really fix for me, myself, because of all the drug-related activities that I've done and the harm I've caused people. You know, I really needed to sit down with somebody who I could shed all that on and let them know everything. And then, you know, see what I could do to make things right. And it wasn't perfect making things right with people and making my amends, but you know, not all the friendships were rekindled. I've lost really important friendships that I cared about a lot because no healthy person has ever stuck around me very long, uh, you know, when I'm not well. Today, my life is amazing. And I really mean that. I have rough days. There's still days where sometimes I don't want to get out of bed and all that. But I'm able to get through this quarantine and this all this coronavirus stuff without feeling depressed. That's amazing to me. Any other time, I'd probably be going crazy. I think it's just basically the biggest thing and blessing from being more stable mentally is being able to, you know, participate in life and kind of pursue my dreams. You know, I couldn't even, I was just trying to survive before and now I can actually set out plans and goals and and reach them. That's awesome. What kind of advice would you give to someone who's struggling with addiction and mental health? I can only go based off of my experience. And I would definitely say that you have to address the addiction first. I couldn't do anything if I was not clean. So first I had to put down the drugs. After talking with sponsor, you know, doing all the steps that you would need in your recovery program, I would pursue talking to a doctor. If you're still having issues, I mean, if you're able to, because I know I would not be able to have access to doctors and things like that if it wasn't for my partner and me being able to have a job. I know there's a lot of addicts and alcoholics that cannot access medical care, but, you know, if you're experiencing, you know, some issues that are still ongoing after you put down the drugs and alcohol, I would definitely do anything you can to get to a a clinic or some kind of facility, you know, even if it's free to see if you can get on an antidepressant or just talk with somebody. Not everyone needs medicine. I know some people are so against medicine. But for me, I finally decided that I had tried for 10 years to not use medicine, and I was willing to just give it a shot. And in the beginning, I was actually on bipolar medicine as well. And then in the last six months, I have discontinued that. For me, my story does include, you know, taking medicine and definitely incorporating outside help with my program. I think that you can't have one without the other for me. I needed something to help me with my brain healing from all the, I don't know whether it was the damage that I had caused using drugs or if this was pre-existing, which looking back, I do think it was pre-existing. I think I was depressed and possibly slightly bipolar long before I started using drugs. And 
I think the drugs exacerbated it. And I think when you first get off the drugs, your brain is really jacked up chemical wise. And so I don't think there's any shame in getting some kind of help balancing out those chemicals. Absolutely. I think it's important that we break that stigma and we let people know that it's okay that if you need to take medication for your mental health, that that's okay. And I do think there's a fine line, you know, if you have to really check your motives with it. And because I know that for sure I would be eligible for Vyvanse or Adderall or something along those lines. And it may improve the quality of my life, but I don't need it to have a life. When I first got sober, I was really incapable of putting any kind of clean time together longer than, you know, a few weeks. And I was having a really hard time with stability and anger being the most one. I mean, I was going to, I was just explosively angry. And so I became open-minded to taking an antidepressant and it has no side effects that are even slightly intoxicating. You know, I don't think that I could take a Xanax or even if I was prescribed it, I just would not want to play with fire like that. But I will say that, you know, I've seen people in recovery with a lot of clean time kill themselves. I've been going to meetings off and on for six years. I've been around the program and you know, I've seen people that I thought had it going on kill themselves, especially one person in particular. I really admired her program. She seemed like the best woman ever, and she killed herself. So we don't know, really. Those people could be preaching a big game about how you don't need psych meds, and they could really be disturbed or hurting, you know, when no one's around. So I just do what's best for me, and you don't have to share it with everybody in a meeting. You don't have to share it with anybody besides maybe your sponsor. You have to really check your motives, do what's best for yourself. You brought up a good point. I think it's important that we are honest with our doctors and let them know that we struggle with addiction so that they can help find a medication that works for us. Yeah. When I first got clean, I was fortunate enough to be under a doctor's care. And I had really bad, first of all, I had really bad nightmares. And then second of all, I had a really hard time you know, falling asleep. I could stay asleep, but I could not fall asleep. And so, you know, he wanted to put me on a sleeping medicine and, you know, I really wanted to resist that. And he actually ended up putting me on something that's for blood pressure. It just slows everything down. It doesn't, it has no side effect, but it does help you fall asleep. And then I transitioned into melatonin when I can't sleep, because I also have acknowledged that lack of sleep for me will flare up any kind of mental, mental health issues that I do have. If I stay up late, if I don't get a good night's sleep, the next day I am unbalanced to the point where like, I'll walk off my job. (laughs) Like I'm just like, that's like how important it is for me to stay mentally healthy because I can't function if I'm not taking care of myself mentally, whether it be meditation, which for years I left that on the table. I was not going to try that. I can't do that. And I still feel like I can't do it, but I just take the action of doing it every morning. I sit down and I try. And some mornings it's like 30 seconds, but no matter what, I sit down and go through the act of putting forth that effort because I have issues. I need to slow my mind. I need to practice mindfulness and those kinds of things because I don't want to be heavily medicated. You know, I'm on a very light antidepressant and I see a lot of people that have to take this to make themselves calm down and this to make themselves focus and antidepressant and mood stabilizer and all that. And I I didn't want to that to be my story if possible. So I'm doing a lot of things that are more, you know, natural and anything I can do to kind of improve my well-being and mental health. 
Thank you for being so real and transparent and sharing your journey with mental health and recovery with us. Yeah, it's been a pleasure. I appreciate it. Thanks again, Nick. I know your story is going to help a lot of people, and I appreciate you being a part of Recovery Survey. This isn't my podcast. This is our podcast. So thank you again. Thanks again for listening to Recovery Survey. If you enjoyed the episode, please consider leaving us a rating or a review, and please be sure to tell your friends about us. If you'd like to get in contact with us, we have a brand new website. It's recoverysurvey.com. Until next time, I've been your host, Brett. Thanks for listening.